for starters, maybe just because uh, we, we talked a little bit about waxing yesterday. Can you just talk about, you know, the weather of the day? You know, it looked as if there was some fresh snow um, and just how you approached that and what the conditions were like for waxing. And in, in, uh, yeah, we'll start with the women's race. Yeah, sure. It was a little bit of an interesting day because it had snowed about an inch overnight uh, and they had finished grooming around 6 p.m. So the tracks were firm, but they had that windblown inch in them and they successfully took i think some sort of leaf blower around all four tracks around both loops and uh it was really nice skiing when we arrived so um it wasn't incredibly easy kicking um but it was kind of feel good classic skiing the hills here are not so steep and i think that's what made the waxing a little bit easier today they're just sort of five minutes of sustained gradual you know, big striding, but it was a, it, it's just a matter of getting enough kick so that you're not blowing up at altitude and not so much kick that your skis are slower on what is quite a long gradual downhill, but it's a mass start. So you can get away with, uh, some larger glide discrepancies. Yeah. Maybe for people who are new to watching this, what it, can you, uh, what do you mean by that? And how does that play out when you have like glide discrepancies? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I just as soon as I say that I disagree with myself because uh, you can you can hang with the pack but because the finish is actually uh, pretty much a long downhill into a 180 corner and then a gradual uphill 100 meter drag uh, you need fast skis in order to win this race and and that is what we had today uh, at least for the women's race and Jesse and Rosie I think were on uh, some great boards and had had the tools they needed and they were also skiing great. So it was a nice match. So I'm curious, you know, this was, I, I, I think this was the first mass start race of the year. Um, the second stage of an eight stage series of races. Um, and I think just on paper, looking at it, it's like, okay, well, Frieda Carlson is going to make a move and, you know, she could potentially blow this apart and going off a very small sample size of say, you know, the 30K Classic last year in Oslo, which was the last race of the year, which she won. Just curious maybe what the strategy was uh, or thinking about this going into the race. And um, again, you're talking about two veterans and Diggins and Brennan. You probably don't need to talk about much strategy, but, um, you know, not necessarily matching stride for stride and maybe letting someone go a little bit so that at the end of the race, you have some firepower to close. Yeah, that's a good question and maybe a disappointing answer. I think when you tend to go through all the what ifs, like if this woman goes, uh, you have to do this. I think coming through, running through all those scenarios the night before the race, uh, just with the athletes ends up chancing more stress. And, you know, the way to learn best is to really make sure that these athletes are coming up with their own what ifs. And they're able to respond and adapt in the moment. And I think that's something with veterans that's easier easier to do. Um, and Rosie and Jesse both know what it takes to win a race like today, but also an event like the Tour de Ski. So uh, that means, you know, you can't blow up on the first couple laps because if you blow up and bleed a minute, uh, the Tour win is out of reach or it will be for several stages at least. And uh, so I think they skied appropriately aggressively 
um, particularly on that second lap where there's a bonus sprint and the pace can accelerate, uh, that's, that's an area that can be problematic for some because we're at about 5,700 feet at the race site. It's an easy place to pop and just be done for the rest of the race. And so I was really proud that they both had gas, particularly on the fourth lap. Um, and Jesse actually seemed to have gas all, all four laps. So, you know, just as someone who's observed, uh, you know, Jesse kind of come up through the system, but also I know that, you know, primarily, you know, she works with Jason Cork, but you obviously have a front seat view. You're based in Vermont during most of the off season as she is. Um, and I think there was a time when, you know, probably a year and a half ago where she would admittedly be like, yeah, I'm working on my classic skiing. And I know, and I think it was last year, you know, where, you know, she started to see some just very steady improvement and consistent uh, skiing in classic. But what were you seeing in terms of her classic skiing that just um, made you understand there was a lot of snap there? Yeah, um, the fact that she was able to ski big and with quite a bit of power, even up at the top of the course. So I was down at about 300 yards into the race, uh, but you can see all the way to the top of this moraine. And it's... It was really cool as she turns and kind of is skiing perpendicular to the direction we're facing. You could just see she was skiing huge and not this kind of compact drill looking stride. It was really open and free and there was power there. Okay. Um, you also, I mean, I, let me pull up my, um, my live timing here or my, you know, can you give me, give me 10 seconds here? Yeah, um, we also had, you know, a couple of uh, Catherine Ogden um, popping into the top thirty, and Haley Swerble, um, you know, skiing quite strongly today. Uh, yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about collectively about what you're seeing from those two athletes. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because it's really easy to uh, fall into the shadows when you have a couple of athletes that are, um, you know, threatening threatening for podiums each day, yeah, but. For Haley to be 17th and Catherine 23rd, I believe, uh, you know, those are two of our really big successes of the day. I know Catherine felt like she got worked in the start and the seating is a little bit funny uh, because, it, you know, it, it awards sprinters from from the day before, uh, before going to distance points. And, you know, as a as kind of a newer World Cup skier, she is neither a sprinter nor someone with really low distance points. So I think she was starting bib. Uh, 66 or oh, 43 okay uh, and so it uh that's tough that's tough you get you get pushed around a little bit you miss some rides and it did look like she had the energy if were she to be able to go on the first lap um she could have had you know been even further up but you know that's uh that's just a part of the process no excuses you can always uh go around people if you really have the snap, but it was so cool today to see Catherine moving up on laps two, three, and four. That was that was one of the fun moments of the race to watch. Okay, and just from a, I, I'm curious as someone again who's been on the scene for for a long time, um, and it is a mass start race, and you know things perhaps look different in a mass start race than than an individual start race where pacing becomes um, you know a little more critical in terms of pushing your limits. There's no, well, for the most part, less drafting. So we have today, we have Lynn Svahn, who is still a U23 skier. Uh, we, you know, we think of her as 
coming onto the scene last year and just nailing these sprints. She won yesterday's sprint. Um, you know, here she is today taking, uh, you know, a mass start win. Um, just curious, just what you're seeing from the Swedish women in particular, Svan. Yeah, well, it's great to have them back for starters. And, and as I've said here before, none of us really criticize them for not being comfortable coming to Davos or Dresden, but it is, it is really cool to have them back. Uh, just makes it feel like more of a world stage event. And we knew with the pack breaking up into six women, which included uh, uh, Jesse Rosie, Katrina Hennig, Lynn Svahn, and let's see, Stupak. And somehow Nepareva was not in that today. I'm not sure why. Yeah, uh, that, that was notable to me as well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't notice when that happened. But um, yeah, we knew this was going to be a tough one. And if uh, Jesse was there, she can be one of the people that can be favored to uh, at least vie for a podium spot. Beating Svan, if she's right there, is going to be pretty tough. And, uh, and Stupak has been really strong in the finishes since coming back from a year of after having a baby, actually. Um, she was Belarukova the last time we saw her. And um, so really cool to see both of them skiing really fast. It's exciting when, uh, they, I, frankly, it was one of the most exciting women's races uh, for mass starts in a long time. I'm kind of curious as, as you sort of run through your strategies or I'm not even sure to be frank it's not like you're you're scheming for a football game where I'm imagining again I know nothing about football but I'm imagining that can be a fairly complex playbook depending on who's playing each respective position and whatever um but that said you have you know there's two athletes here Americans that are doing quite well Rosie Brennan and Jesse Diggins you know Jesse has been in this position before she's in fact you know been leader of the tour to ski um what do you think about you know moving forward you know you've got uh, six stages left I I'm sure you don't want to get ahead of yourself um but yeah what do you strategize or do you strategize about how things may or may not play out and thinking about each respective stage moving forward yeah it's a good question. I tend to be uh, one of the last coaches who looks at the results after a race. Uh, I, I probably look at the results for the first time uh, right before talking with you, just so I act like I know what I'm talking about. But I think the real answer for tour success is to make sure that the process is simple and efficient every day. And things like uh, there are snacks in each van there are sandwiches uh, in case someone gets pulled for anti-doping after the race and has to go uh, a couple hours waiting in the anti-doping office. Um, there can't be bonks. People can't be chilled because they don't have enough clothes. It's tough with COVID. We're not going indoors. So the sprint day was really challenging to stay warm. And so we had the van set up as little rooms. And fortunately with Swix and L.O. Bean, we have tons of down and really warm layers. But uh, the the trick for us is to not strategize too much about the actual performances in the race, but just get the athletes to the starting line happy and feeling prepared. And uh, it's very fun when you have a couple athletes that are, uh, you know, uh, within seconds of the tour lead. Uh, <clears throat> and it's very important at the same time to make sure that everybody is feeling that energy uh, so that it turns into synergy so that meals are 
productive places to be at and they're they're relaxing environments with a lot of light laughter uh, and and right now we really have that uh, it's been great the men's team has operated better better than I've ever seen it operate in my 14 or so years with the team <clears throat> and so the environment uh, is just working right now and that's the best thing that we can do to race fast you know obviously I think coming into the race people I, the assumption was, well, I'm going to say my assumption, um, maybe Devin's assumption, you know, it's going to be this Russian sweep of the podium, which it looked like up until the closing moments. Uh, and there was a spill in that final turn. But that said, I- I'm guessing, again, like I'm going to pick up on like you're allowing most racers to kind of allow themselves to be in their own head and strategize that they're thinking, oh, yeah, you know, Bolshinov's going to go out front. He's going to push the pace. It's four laps of a 3.3K, primarily a climb, and then a kind of a sinuous descent. Um, eventually, that guy is probably going to break the race apart, which did happen. Um, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're seeing from the men's team here. I mean, just I, there were no top 30s today. And again, I, I just kind of going through cursory examination of the results and I have watched the race, but Gus Schumacher was in, you know, 36th, uh, 20 year old, 153 out. And, um, gosh, I think Simi Hamilton was the next, nope, sorry. Scott Patterson at 43rd at 217 out and Simi at 46th, uh, 238 out. So yeah. What are you seeing? Um, Primarily, let's talk, you know, say, you know, Scott and Gus as two, you know, distance skiers, although we all know that Simi has had some pretty stout distant results uh, in his career. Yeah, Simi was protecting a little bit today. He's been uh, feeling a little bit off center uh, health wise. And just to make sure that that is moving in the right direction. Uh, And it appears to be so. his his strategy today was to uh, take it out as conservatively as you can when you're starting bib thirteen or whatever. Uh, it's pretty tough, mm-hmm. as he yeah right, you know, right clarified again after the race to 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 go conservative when you're up in the front. Uh, it's just sort of free speed, and but he did find that he found some physical limits out there today. He had a really tough third lap after the pace cranked up for the bonus sprint on the second lap. And a little bit of what we expected today. <clears throat> I think Kevin was uh, uh, felt like he was a little off. Maybe he had picked the wrong pair of skis and felt like they were not gliding um, the way he needed them to go to be successful today. At the same time, uh, this isn't exactly the race that Kevin's to look, looking to do great in. But uh, nonetheless, disappointing. Uh, as it was for Gus and Scott, it was just across the board. It was a disappointing day for the guys to just call it what it was. Um, Gus probably showed the uh, most signs of promise today. He skied within the top uh, 20 for parts of the race and top 25 uh, before just kind of running out of gas. He was he was pretty pretty cashed on the fourth lap. And so uh, we'll, we'll just make sure that he continues to fuel well. Uh, it's one of those places where if you go a little too hard on any one lap, which is my guess as to what happened, uh, you end up, uh, having a pretty heavy tax collected later. 
phrase. Uh, you know, it, it, it comes back to bite you. Um, and sometimes you get away with it. And I'm, I'm not one that likes to see people ski a conservative race. I like to see people, um, <laughs> you know, aiming for the bullseye and, and he did that and that's, that's how to get faster and that's how to have the great race, but couldn't put four together today. Sure. You kind of beat me to the punch there, but I, I know that in the past when we, gosh, I'm like dating myself. It's, I guess it's been a little while here, but you know, you've always articulated that you want athletes to, to take a chance because you just don't know, right? One is like you said, you get to experience a faster pace and the other is that it may manifest in, you know, your best result ever. Um, and I'm assuming like that's that's the case with with Gus, you know, throughout the tour that you're encouraging him to you know go for it. Uh, not necessarily like, yeah, dude, you're going to pop a top five, which may happen. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm prefacing my comment with you don't necessarily want to encourage an athlete to completely bury themselves uh with six stages to go. But is that sort of the vibe is, you know what, have confidence in yourself and take a chance, but at the same time, um, you know, be mindful that, you know, it's four laps uh, of a race being paced by Bolshinov. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, the ticket to probably a slightly better race today might have been to go a little bit slower, but uh, or ski a bit more conservative, but at the same time, who who really cares if you get twenty um, ninth? This kid wants this kid wants fourteenth, and um, so were we to just toe the line again here in the next ten minutes, I'd say uh, try the same thing, and uh, you know try and conserve when you can, uh, try and really make sure you're collecting yourself at the different at different points throughout the lap, whether it's just falling into a conservative draft for 30 seconds of striding or making sure you're not doing the work across the flats. But, um, I have no regrets about the way he skied the race today. And, you know, you can't always explain why that fourth lap came out flat. It, it can be fueling, it can be altitude, and it can be something that just the human body, uh, does. It's, uh, it's just too complex to be a human being to always know why things go one way or the other. Okay. Any other any other thoughts on the guys' race? No. I, other than I am, you know, <laughs> while I said it was a disappointing day, I, it's a it's a really encouraging squad of of guys that we have here, and so I do expect a better day tomorrow. 